I discovered all the billionaires in truth have no clue how they became billionaires. They've got no roadmap. I've discovered, forget everything they say because you cannot explain an experience. You can't put in a book the nuances of shifting and making decisions on the move, the instinct mm -hmm. of responding to certain things. There's no way to capture mm -hmm. this in book. That's why people will read all their books and I've not met anybody who read billionaires' books and became a billionaire. Mm. Not met anybody. And, I, and I've met guys who've read all the books and they've still not made any money because it's not capturable in text. It is cut into you in the process. Yeah. In the journey. You really, so, become, you really become tailor-made. Yes. Hello and welcome to Unlock the Kingdom Within You. This podcast explores the profound truth about what it means to be born into the kingdom, not a religion. On this podcast, we challenge the religious and denominational norms which shackle us from expressing the liberty of Christ by exploring the kingdom, the ecclesia and citizenship. If you're born into the kingdom but lost in religion, then this channel is just for you. So thank you for listening and don't forget to subscribe. Meanwhile, it's the other way around. Your heart is in the right place. You've heard the call. You've been sent. The rest will be worked out in the process. Mm. The challenges, the navigations, the structures, that's where it's built on. I mean, Fred, you and I know that the sum total of challenges equal the realities we are working now, yeah. not the sum total of knowledge. Yes. Yeah. It's not. I, I tell people, Believe me, revelation is easy. It's a gift. God gives it to us. Yeah. God unlocks scripture and allows us to see. But that's very different from application. Yeah. Where you yeah. begin to walk into the spaces. I said, look at David, a man after God's own heart. If you follow his conversations, you'd almost wonder what is he talking about. There are scenarios of doubt. Mm. There are scenarios of query. Yes, mm. the of crying out. But in all that, it builds him up to be that distinct king mm. from whose, whose throne remains forever. Mm. And that's, that's the pattern. That's the reality. I always say part of the problem with Solomon, zero challenge. Yeah, true. Time of rest, isn't it? Yes. But, and the danger, the danger in rest is allying with her. Um, with, with other, uh, other princesses and, yes. and, and which creates the problem. Exactly. It, I guess it goes back to like with David, where it says when kings, when kings were at war, he wasn't. He stayed home. <laughs> stayed and that's home. A problem. And that's, that's exactly a problem. the problem. So I think that that becomes very crucial. And when you're being called out, I think we have romanticized the calling out. Mm. And not realize that the calling out is usually a challenge that comes out of hesitation. A lot of query, a lot of um, God. Are you sure you will be with me? Yeah. Not the arrogant. I am sent, and therefore I come. Mm. You know, and, and and I use Moses as the most classic example. I usually like the narrative at the burning bush because God kind of plays around with Moses in the sense that God talks about all the stuff He's going to do, and it mm. sounds great. And then He turns it around and tells Moses, "No, no, no, you're going to do that." Mm. And then the debate begins. <laughs> as long as God was going to do it, Moses was happy about it. Mm. When God says, oh, everything I've actually said, I'm sending you to do. 
Mm. And suddenly Moses has all these excuses. And that's to me the best picture of sending. Mm. Mm. Of being called out and being sent because that's where the debate is. That's where the query is. And Moses didn't walk into Egypt into a walkover. No, exactly. Pharaoh didn't roll over and play dead. <laughs> well, in fact, and you, you have to consider that the hardest part for him was, was facing up to the eldership in Israel, the princes and the elders in Israel, who were, who, who, the familiar who weren't going to believe him. Exactly. He ran away. He abandoned them. He has criminal charges up against him. He's a wanted mm. man. Really? Are you the sent one? <laughs> it's so funny, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And, this, and, I, and I guess this is the thing because I'll, I'll, this feeds into this idea of, of the type of environment that you know. I talked about this um, social, social. Uh, what did I say? Social engineering. The idea of saying, okay, what is the outcome that the Lord wants to achieve, and what's yeah. the appropriate environment that's going to he help to nurture that. Um, that is not going to resist the life class, mm. but rather is going to recognize that its goal is to help tuition and support and mentor through the life class. Um, yeah. Yeah. Go, go ahead. ahead. No, go ahead. No, I was going to say that when you mention that reality, that the coming out of that journey and the life class that it produces, mm. I'm currently looking at Joseph post post the famine you know and looking at the quality he brings to Egypt that was forged in slavery mm. was forged in Potiphar's house was forged in prison mm. and, and how that combines to bring the wisdom of managing and stewarding the affairs of Egypt post the famine see we kind of like stopping at the famine and yeah, him yeah. having a solution, and that's it. But we forget the replenishing of Egypt. We forget yeah. the replanting. We forget the mechanisms he put in place. I'm beginning to look at that story to see the distinction that mm. goes beyond the profundity of interpreting a dream properly yeah. and having a solution. What, what next? And, and, and that's what comes to mind when you talk about the, the class distinction of functioning. Mm. That new dynamic. But we see, we, we, and say that, we see that, in society, we see that in society. We know that some of the wealthiest men on the earth did not take the, nor, the usual class route in, in their societies, in their city-states. Yes. In, in other words, in order to become distinct and unique and set apart, there is often um, a tuition in life that is both amongst the people but very unique from the people yes and that's one of the reasons why i enjoy my, my son and i watch enjoy watching documentaries about billionaires yes. you know we've just finished a series on um on prime um mm. well we're, oh, my son's going for it but i finished it about billionaires and specifically mm. tech billionaires which one's that i don't look it up now that's oh so it's it's um it's just called uh i think it's just called billionaires on if you look on prime you'll see there yeah, yes yeah, on yeah. prime um so it's elon musk um it's um oh, it's gone for me now it's uh amazon um jeff bezos yes um it's looking at mark zuckerberg it's um facebook um yes. and it's also looking at the guys that invented and set up google mm. um 
But I, I think what it's what it's interesting is it's about look, it's it's really looking at how their technologies manifests who they are and who they became as a result of that unique discovery and journey. Um, and, and that is looking at the flaws and all, so everything. Yes, yes, that's that's lovely. Yeah, go ahead. No, you're saying about no. So, so I say so for me, I, I I'm 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 looking at these men who really have crossed the threshold in the in not so much in terms of money, even though it's called billionaires, but rather mm -hmm. it's this idea of crossing a threshold of productivity and influence. Mm. And looking at the, the level of distinction that afforded them that capability, which was driven by a process that was so unique, yes. a mind that had to be carved out in such a way that, you know, for example, when the Lord talks uh, to the prophet and says to him, you'll have a mind as flint in, the, in terms of un, 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 unswaving in terms of in, the, in your directive, is, is that kind of what is the Lord doing within the context of the ecclesia, kingdom ecclesia and citizenship to create such a distinction mm -hmm. in the earth yes. that will be classified as a, as a separate class of people yes. because of what they bring into the earth that is essentially transcends what is known now and really reflects what Paul talks about in terms of the powers of the age to come. I believe that's... To me, that's what we are supposed to be looking at and trying to attain to now. In other words, our processes, if they don't bring us to that place, they were not worth it. The, the, the journeys, the trauma, the mistakes, if they don't bring us there, then we've actually missed the assignment, mm. so to speak. And then I said this on a number, for a number of reasons. Um, I have a friend who was a billionaire uh, sadly, passed on about a year ago. We got to be friends of a period of almost one and a half years, divinely arranged, and we, we had this odd relationship. Mm. Very odd relationship. I was his friend. Everybody else was his acquaintance, his business partner, and so on. And all that happened is that we would have conversations. We'd talk and talk. And initially, when I was about to be introduced to him, I didn't want to, because they're the the stories I'd heard about him, the possibility <clears throat> of womanizing and stuff like that. Mm. I just resisted it. But there's this friend of ours who insisted, the way the two of your brains work, you need to meet. And so they made the arrangement. And even in our first encounter, he basically was very gruff. You know, mm. he said, so what do you want? And I was like, what do I want? <laughs> That's not what this is about. Somebody thinks me and you should meet and you think I want something? Mm. <laughs> That was my attitude. But the strange thing is, said, look, you've got five minutes. That five minutes, that particular day, changed into five hours. And he basically cleared his desk and didn't have another meeting. And we mm. hit off and we began to talk about everything. And all he would do, according to him, would pick my mind and say, what do you think about this? What do you I didn't then understand that God was beginning to show me that the sharpness of kingdom reality is relevant in Babylon. Mm, mm. And that it's applicable. Mm. You'd ask very basic questions about certain businesses. What do you think about this? And I'd just give my opinion. And he literally would make decisions around mm. it. It became so profound that his CEOs would run stuff through me before they presented them to him. 
literally, because they mm. felt if I think it's going to pass, it will pass. Mm. And, and, but then I began to study him because I felt God was deliberately had me around him for a reason. Mm. And I discovered that his profoundest gift was people, not money. Mm. He could read people in five minutes. That was his gift. That was his real gift. He would sit in a meeting and in five minutes of your pitch, he'd made up his mind whether he was going to invest with you or not. That was it. Mm. And he had the lowest staff turnover in this nation. Half the guys who worked for him had worked with him for years. Mm. And he wasn't the most pleasant gentleman. He wasn't Mr. Nice. He was very cut, very specific. He didn't mince words. And he told you what was on his mind. Mm. And oddly, he's, he was a genius with people. Now, there's nowhere you're taught to read people. Yeah, yeah. It's something that grows on you through time. And so that just became the thing. I began to watch him. And I, I could tell after some time, I could tell if someone's speech was going to work or not just by observing him. Mm. I could tell by his body language whether it had made sense or not. And I'm because he was an elderly man. I mean, he could sometimes sleep through your presentation, but he's listening. <laughs> this gift, I do not understand it. I tell guys, don't stop. Keep on. And when you're done, he'd wake up and he'd poke through things, what you said, and you thought he was asleep. Mm. Just a genius in that context. Now, having said that, the other side of the coin is this. I discovered all the billionaires in truth, have no clue how they became billionaires. Mm. They've got no roadmap. I've discovered, forget everything they say, because you cannot explain an experience. You can't put in a book the nuances of shifting and making decisions on the move, the mm. instinct of responding to certain things. There's no way to capture mm. this in books. That's why people will read all their books and have not met anybody. Who read billionaires' books and became a billionaire? Mm. Who met anybody? And I've and I met guys who've read all the books. And they've still not made any money. Because it's not capturable in text. Mm. Like what you're saying. It is cut into you in the process. Yeah. In the journey. You really, so become, you really become tailor-made. Yes. And so there's no way that you can replicate the circumstances the relationships, the historical timing, the opportunities, and how some people are very quick at seeing what you can't see, even when it's in front of you. Yeah. And how, and how caught in a critical moment, what drives them to make one decision and not the other? Yeah. So, so it's, it's a custom-made process. Mm. And so it's the same as a calling. Like you said, if you think carefully, they are set apart in a context. Yeah of a yeah. journey and a process. And so I believe it's the same way with the way God is setting up distinguished Ecclesia people. The mm. current processes are creating something that's going to be so valuable down mm. the road. Well, when we say that there'll be Josephs behind Pharaohs and Daniels behind Nebuchadnezzar, it sounds like a nice cliche statement. Mm. We forget Daniel was a captive. <laughs> 
Yeah. It, sound, yeah. it sounds like he had this great CV and he went over to Pharaoh and said, to Nebuchadnezzar and said, you know what, I've got a solution. Well, clearly, it. you know Nebuchadnezzar found him on LinkedIn, isn't it? That's what we all assume. Yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> he just reached out to him and said, look, I've got an opportunity for you. Yeah, yeah. Seems like your skill set matches. We need you here, man. <laughs> None of these guys came willingly. Yeah. None of these guys intended to arrive where they were arriving. But it's but it's also something else that you you raised earlier, which I, I picked up on um, it, through the study of Matthew, which yeah. and uh, which is the idea about your dis our distinction within the context of being called out is served within the capacity of the failure of the nation states. Absolutely. And that, that for me, you know, one of the things I've written a while ago is, you know, about the fact that, look, Jesus comes at a time, the, the, the kairos of him coming in the fullness of time was when we saw both Israel as a nation failing and Rome failing. The Jew and the Gentile nation states were at their end. It didn't, it didn't matter that one was occupying the other. Yep. The reality is they both were at their end of their period of time. Yes. And so the kingdom emerges within the context of city-states failing and the yes. people that are part of the emergence that are the solutions at that time, yes. they are made distinct because they have been failed by those two systems. There you go. I mean, it's funny you say that because when COVID happened, you... As usual, you know, um, the, the, the church as we know it, we, we are post-crisis prophets, not pre-crisis <laughs> prophets. <laughs> you know, that's just how we are. We, we, rarely, we rarely see the crisis coming. But after it comes, we have got all these prophetic insights. <laughs> <laughs> we'll explain the detail that we discovered within it. And, uh, we'll, and we'll and we'll ooh uh, everybody uh, yeah. everyone will look at us and go oh that was great and ah oh, that was wonderful because we've we've unpacked it and we've surgically determined why God did what He did, <laughs> but we we didn't see it coming. Well, that's the most amusing part of that. So when that was going on, all sorts of queries came up about what do we think is going on, blah blah blah. And I said, look, this is not about the prophetic. This is about discernment. It's about looking in using a background knowledge of God. The understanding that there is no crisis in God's kingdom. There's only crisis in the earth. Mm. And if we're to follow scripture, crisis is always an outcome of a shaking. So God yeah. shakes stuff. And the stuff manifests as crises. Mm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so... That's the first reality. If we start there, it's clearer than if we think the devil has got this thing going. <laughs> <laughs> so I said, once we understand that, the first thing that is removed is the eschatology of escape. The end has arrived. You mean we can't go to heaven? <laughs> nah. Not, not, not with COVID. Nah. <laughs> the guys who are exiting already did. They're still there. <laughs> <laughs> so I said the proper analysis is this and that dovetails exactly into what you're saying that the picture of crisis every time in scripture has got a dual reality 
there's always a, a, a two window factor within the same moment. I said, when Egypt was experiencing crisis, Israel was experiencing deliverance. <coughs> so the issue is where are you located? So if you're experiencing crisis, we better change your location. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're, you're, you're in the wrong story here. Because as far as an Egyptian was concerned, the greatest calamities they've ever imagined was on them. Yeah. But to the Jews, the greatest deliverance they've ever imagined was on them. The mm. events were exactly the same. Mm. Mm. So I said, so, if you look at COVID properly, you see a reset button for the kingdom. You see God yeah. leveling the playing field. Yeah. You see God creating a window of opportunity for the emergence of the ecclesia. If you see crisis, you live in Egypt. <laughs> yeah. And it's interesting, isn't it, that yes. you can imagine that for those for, for those that are on the journey in terms of developing the ecclesia, I don't know about you, for me, yes. there wasn't much of an adjustment. It Absolutely. was oh we we'd not. already put certain things in place. Exactly. Um, we did no. We did. We didn't have that prophetic insight that the that this was coming. We just did. And so, but but when it was emerged, we'd already been positioned to navigate through it. In fact, for me, that was the issue. The issue was so interesting that, and I'll give you a specific story. Prior to COVID, we were having physical meetings. Mm. Prior to COVID, we had gotten onto a certain national channel where they would come and record and broadcast us. And two, two things began to happen. The first thing is that I felt a leading from God that we need to get our own broadcast equipment. Right? No inkling on why. Just this is what needs to be done. Hmm. And, and the reasoning was this. That as long as they record us, they have the rights to the hmm. content. Hmm. And therefore they would go and split it into whatever pieces they want. So they kind of forced how I recorded. Mm -hmm. I would kind of start a session. Those days where I would do kind of long sessions. One and a half hours. So they would, be do, they would do an hour, which means I would have to think in my head that I have to kind of taper off now because yeah. then the broadcast will go off here and then continue. But the content was theirs to do what they want with mm -hmm. So I, I changed the model. I got equipment and said, now we will record and give you the content. Mm. It's our content. So it began like that. Mm. We then began live streaming because we met on a Wednesday night, 8 p.m., not on a Sunday morning. That was already disruptive anyway. Mm. So not everybody could make it to the meeting, but then if we could do that, that worked for us. Now, I was in... New York 20th, 2020, January. Round about, I didn't know that that was the epicenter. Stuff was happening. Mm. So as I leave, arrive in Nairobi, I actually tell people, I remember getting fever and stuff. I probably got COVID, but I had no clue that what it, that's what it was. Good thing I didn't know what it was, so I recovered and life went on. <laughs> <laughs> but as the stories began to unfold, and I began to sense this is God, I said, guys, 
normal meeting. I'm not going to endanger anybody. I said, it's not about faith. I can't vouch for your faith. Mm. There's all sorts of, and then we didn't know just how serious, how do you get contaminated? There was all sorts of speculation, all sorts of fears, everything. So we basically mm. said, guys, we're not going to meet physically again. We're going online. Fully online. So we began to broadcast online. And we got all sorts of flack. How do you have church online? Yeah. Oh, you know, those stuff, no impartation. People have to be present in the room. All sorts of stories. So we stayed online. Two, three months later, government banned all church meetings. We had been online for three months. Everybody had gotten used to it. It was a norm. Mm. We, didn't, we didn't miss a skip. We didn't miss a heartbeat. Mm. Ministries began scrambling, learning how to get online, getting cameras. How do you record? What do you do? In fact, we had to do consultancy for some ministries on how to get online. Mm. Suddenly, everybody was getting on the bandwagon that was normal. So mm. just like you said, God didn't tell us COVID is on the way. Mm. We're going to close churches. This is that's not how it came. It basically said, start this. And the strange thing, post-COVID, we never went back. Mm, because yeah. the level of impact we began to have was way more, more practical, more measurable, and we reached out much wider to nations we would never have touched if we had stayed physical. So it yeah. just became a natural morphing to a new reality. The crisis expanded our territories. Mm. changed our model. God has functioning from a new space. Now, when we do get to meet physically, it's for specific reasons. Yeah. To yeah. do specific things. Not on a regular basis, but with practical reasons to meet. And they have more impact, more effect by far. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So I believe the crisis in the nations now is totally the best opportunity for our emergence. Mm. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, Absolutely. you open every single channel. No single nation is having it easy. Yeah. Yeah. None. And I believe the only nation having it easy is called Ecclesia. Yeah. God's people. God's people. God's people are fine. We're doing great. We're thriving. Yeah. I think, and that, and that's, and that's, rea that's reality. So we're gonna, we're gonna, I'm gonna close on this last question for you because we've had a, we've had a wonderful podcast. Yeah. <laughs> so I've enjoyed it. I didn't expect yeah. it. It's too, so far two hours and thirty minutes. I just hope it's recorded wow. well. It's been wow. good though. That's it's been very good. I mean, I, I definitely want to have other conversations with you about tech, about yes. sort It'll of stuff that's going on. At, I, I, one thing we're not doing in our collaboration group enough is talking about the World Economic Forum. I think um, we need to and, and I think we definitely need to. Yeah. I think um, we, I'm trying to do it with a sm small cohort that I, yeah. that I have, um, yeah. trying to begin to have that conversation because I think there needs to be a very keen eye watching that. Yes. Um, and, 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 and its entanglements across nation states, yeah. which are yeah. massive. Thank you for joining our fireside talk about the kingdom. My name is Frederick Tobin, and I hope this podcast has been a blessing to you. If you'd like to continue to receive fresh insight into the kingdom, click the notification bell to follow us. For further information about the kingdom, visit our website, www.unlockthekingdomwithinyou.com, 
to download your free ebook. See you soon.